Right, take fucking 30-something. Hello, everyone. Um, this is Jim from Tuna Boot, obviously. Uh, and I'm just going to do a wee introduction here, let you know what's going on. This week you're getting, instead of our normal scheduled programming, you're getting a preview of a podcast which I've done with my good friend Danny Jones. It is called Quixotic Mavens. It is a six-part pseudo-intellectual sort of semi-highbrow topic discussion show, I suppose you'd call it. Each week we bring different topics and try and educate the other person on them or just get their thoughts on it. And I have to say I've just got around to editing them. We recorded them quite a few months ago. And I was surprised by how much substance there was uh, as well as all the nonsense. Um, Yeah. Learned quite a lot doing it. I really enjoyed it. We cover a huge range of topics from face blindness to dream interpretation, which sounds boring, but I've chucked in some dragons. Um, Then we discuss phobias. We discuss literature, cultural iconography, hostage negotiation. All the sort of, all the main, all the main topics are covered really. It's going to be a six-part series released every Thursday. So the first episode's going up on Tuna Boot, but it's also been uploaded to all the other, um, well, to its own page. Um, I'll send the, I'll put the link to the Acast page in the description, but whatever you're listening to Tuna Boot, you can also listen to Quixotic Mavens. Yes, yeah, so as I say, link in the description, but just type in Quixotic Mavens and you'll find it. Um, it's going to be coming out every Thursday from the 29th. So episode 2 is coming out on the 29th. And then there'll be four more, making six. You know, it's we've been doing this a, uh, a long time now. We, we, know, <laughs> we know what we're doing, even though... Um, we did actually discuss advertising and how advertising works in one of the episodes of Quixotic Mavens, and I wish I'd taken notes listening back to it, because I'm not selling this. But, um, no, genuinely, it is... It is really good, as far as podcasts go, as far as amateur podcasts go. Um, Again, just, why can't I just say it's really good? You know what I mean? There's something inherent within us. I can't just say, you know what, I fucking nailed that. Brilliant six-part podcast. You'll learn something, you'll laugh. Fucking listen to it. And I know you might be thinking, not sorry, not to get hostile. Um, I am just in this room by myself. I don't want to fall out with a microphone in an empty room. Um... <laughs> but anyway, yeah, if you're thinking, you know, I don't have time to listen to more than one podcast, then don't just listen to Quixotic Mavens for the next six weeks. You know, at least you'll you'll get educated um, about mostly pointless but interesting things. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can't mention Danny without, of course, mentioning the Second Opinion movie podcast, which is important that you t- uh, look up the Second Opinion movie podcast because there is also a medical-based podcast called Second Opinion. And, um, yeah, I love their movie podcast. I love movies, and they talk about movies old and new, and um, I have a lot of very interesting things to say about them, so if you fancy that, um, you can find that pretty much everywhere as well. And um, next week you're going to get a preview of the podcast Liam has done with his pal James, which we're very much looking forward to hearing. And then season four is going to start proper the week after that. And uh, you're going to get your money's worth for season four, let me tell you. We're starting off ridiculously strong. 
Uh, we haven't recorded the episode yet, but whoo, <laughs> you're in for a treat. Um, so I think that's about everything I need to say. Apologies for this rambling intro. Um, there are some technical difficulties I seem to remember in the first and second episode of Quixotic Mavens. They're not major, and I think I got rid of them all, but just to apologise in case any of those uh, remain. I think there was some bleed from one of the, the earphones to the to one of the mics, as I remember. Um, so apologies for that, and also apologies for the way that I mispronounced the word the words Don Quixote in episode two. Um, I say Don Quixote, and uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. But I suppose it's it's a sort of something for the show. <laughs> it's a was that a metaphor metaphor for the show <laughs> for the show's ethos. So. Um, yep, I won't take up any more of your time. I hope you're all doing well and enjoy. Take care. See you later. Quixotic mavens. Just check my levels. Hello, hello. Yep, 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 yep. Sweet, sweet. Hello, hello. My voice recording software isn't. It, the levels aren't sophisticated. It just has a circle that goes back and forth when I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was funny. I suppose because circles don't usually go back and forth. It goes like bigger and smaller, if that makes sense. Like a like a like a speaker would. You know, like a speaker would go. Fuck it. Never mind. Yeah. All right. Hello. Starts a week to go on. Uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. Right. Hello. Hello. Uh, my name's Jim. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Jim. That's Danny. Uh, I'm Danny. Danny Jones. Yeah. yeah. Danny Jones. Jim Rennie. Um We're here trialing our new podcast today, aren't we? We very much are. Yeah. So, what's it called? Yeah. It's called. I'll probably get the pronunciation wrong because I'm uh, I'm dyslexic. Uh, Quixotic Quixotic Mavens. That's it. Very a lovely lovely fancy name. Yep. For. Overly ambitious idiots. Yes, pretentious morons, <laughs> and I love it. Exactly. All right. So the general theme is we're not sure yet. We're just gonna <laughs> try and educate each well, other. I I think we're both kind of the kind of people that get into our heads like can get fascinated by like the most bizarre and strange things, and hopefully those bizarre and strange things that will be taken to this podcast are also at the same time interesting. So it's like a less well-researched QI. <laughs> very well, very like yeah. QI is perhaps holding your ambition way too high. Like, but you know, if you were going in that direction, I mean, QI. If you're going in that direction, QI is five hundred miles down the road. Mm-hmm. But we're we're like at the start of that five hundred mile road. Yes, absolutely right. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, so if Danny, if you you've done a lot more work than I have. Because you've done stuff, I've I've half read an article and that's about it. So, <laughs> maybe I've read the other half of the article and we can piece that together. Possibly. What have you got for me? Right, right. Well, I'll start off with this question, Jim Rennie. Mm-hmm. Jim, are you or any of your loved ones a kangaroarian? A kangaroarian. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. I'm taking a guess. Yeah. I'm uh, how, how, how sure are you that that? Because <laughs> me and my loved ones, there's bound to be 
about to be one, isn't there? <laughs> would you like to? Would you like to hazard a guess of what a kangaroo is? Kangaroo. Well, obviously, I'm thinking kangaroo, but I don't think it has anything right. to do with that. Is it someone who? No, you. You're right. You're right. Oh really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, kangaroo. Somebody only eats kangaroos. Almost. Uh, I mean, you're probably essentially saying the same thing. Uh, a vegetarian who only eats kangaroos. Right. <laughs> this is a, a, a word I've discovered recently that obviously really captivated my attention. Because um, recently I've been looking up stuff about, like, being vegetarian. I'm not going to be vegetarian, but I am conscious of, like, the, the, the mass industry of, like animals and killing them and like to um, take an animal product and how cruel it is but i've been reading i read an article recently that was really interesting in the fact it it treats vegetarian and like a carbon footprint where it's more more about reducing your demand than totally um getting rid of it which i appreciated because i've always thought of vegetarian and veganism was quite binary mm. and um i like the I, I like this more idea that it's it's just as helpful to reduce the demand for it than to like cut it out entirely mm. so looking at these different variations that's when i came across kangaroarian and i, I was instantly fascinated <laughs> i was like that's it's instantly come one of my favorite words kangaroarian because it's so extraordinarily specific mm. uh, okay so do you do do you have any guesses as to why you might you might just want to eat kangaroos uh, well i haven't heard of them being overpopulated or anything like that it's not like there's too many kangaroos i've never heard anyone complaining about there being too many um <laughs> have, have you been in have you been in talk with many people who would have uh caused a complaint no no like if, if you've if you've been around many people that have had kangaroos at all around them well i went to australia for three weeks was that how? How was the kangaroo population while you were there? Uh, mild. I would. I, I, I don't know. I hardly saw any. To be honest, I did see a couple of dead ones on the side of the road. All right. They get hit by cars. That's lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, they're quite strange to see in real life because they're, they're they're like treated as like rodents, like sort of like no sort of like that sort of population class where it's like rabbits or stuff and. Um, they're, they're very common across Australia, but they are quite tall, so it must be quite surreal looking at one. Yeah, it is, and it's weird. Like I only got close to them at the zoo, obviously, but you're like, you're like they stand up. They look like they do actually look more like people than some other animals. Even they don't look like people, but because they <laughs> they, they stand on their two back legs and they sort of yeah walk about, it is kind of like you want to shake their hand, but you you probably get punched in the face. So <laughs> don't wanna no. But, no, that's un- that's an understandable position. But when I did see them, I didn't think about wanting to eat any of them. To no. be honest, no. No, there's a Australian themed bar in Glasgow. Walkabout. I'm pretty sure they, yeah, they do like a kangaroo burger. Yeah, I think you can get one there. Um, so they emit a low amount of greenhouse gas, so they're better for the environment. Uh, plus, they are uh, hunted, not farmed, which I think is the big thing because, like. The reason a lot of vegetarians become vegetarians is because mass killing cattle or um, chickens on on that scale is um, is seeing the thing as cruel. Not necessarily killing animals to eat them, but doing it on such a massive scale is what's seen as cruel. Mm. Whereas kangaroos aren't farmed; they're uh, just hunted. Um, so that's why there's a, a push. There was a, a push in Australia to become kangaroarian. All right. So you can still eat meat, but you don't have to worry about the environmental and ethical impact of it. 
All right. So how how are they usually hunted? Just go out and shot. I assume so. Mm. I didn't actually look that up, but that that makes sense. But they, that means they also have because obviously, like, uh, an environmental thing is to like carve out a huge part of a forest to make a field for cows, and it's like, well, that's not environmentally friendly, even if it's just cows. Mm. But uh, they 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 have they very little impact on the environment, but because they're naturally part of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the. That's the reason why kangaroos exist. There is, in fact, another one that Australia was trying to introduce. I'm probably going to say this word wrong because it, it never it never comes out my mouth right. Cameltarian. Cameltarian. Right. Cameltarian. So it's the sa- it, it's the same thing, but with camels. Yeah. Did you know Australia had camels? <laughs> no, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't see any. No. Australia. Um, it's because, uh, well, according to the BBC, I've, I did a little, there's a little fucking source for you right there. According to the BBC, there's quarter of a million camels in Australia uh, and they all shouldn't be there. That's, the, <laughs> that's their story. They immigrate there. Well, they were imported. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's a little quote for you. Camels were imported to Australia in the 19th century from Arabia, India and Afghanistan for tra- transport and heavy work in the outback. Uh, but when internal combustion engines came along and they were no longer needed, several thousand released into the wild. And with no natural predators and vast, sparsely populated areas which to roam, the camels have flourished there and have had a huge impact on the wilderness. Wow. So that's a, that's a whole new road I was down <laughs> while looking up kangaroos. Remember, this is me starting off talking about the, um, the sort of the various spectrum of being a vegetarian mm-hmm. and then i'm thinking about just eating camel uh, camels and then i'm suddenly like there's camels on australia there's a huge population of camels in australia aren't supposed to be there and they just they just live there now mm. and so they'll, they'll, the recommendation is that you eat them that's the that's australia's solution <laughs> yeah well I, I suppose it makes sense if you can eat all your problems what other problems can you eat, Danny? There's, there's food for thought. <laughs> well, there you go. Your food for thought section. What other problems can you eat? Well, what, what other problems are there? <laughs> not having enough money. What, what? Not having enough. You can't. No, you can't really eat your your money problems. No, unless unless you were like, uh, like a sort of. Um, uh, some sort of Olympian eater. That that was a weird way of putting it. But if you, if if you only only eat Olympians. <laughs> There's too many of them. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're not natural to the Australia, so we'll we'll start eating them. Yeah. Um, no, I'm more. I'm, I guess I guess I was saying as if eating was your job. But I guess I would be a food critic. The probably the the, the real the real version of that. <laughs> it's a it's a, a, a food critic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so become a food critic and you can eat away your pro- um, financial problems. Oh, well, there you go. So that's three things you've learned so far. <laughs> Cabalarian, so Kangarian, and become a food critic if you don't have enough money. <laughs> yes, uh, that is that's three useful facts you've learned so far. And I guess my conclusion is: if you're ever in Australia, Australia do them a favor and eat a camel. Okay. <laughs> I hear that's going to be their new tourist advert. <laughs> Do us a favour, eat a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Have you ever had kangaroo? I think I did in the Australian bar, but I can't remember, I can't remember what it tasted like. No. Have you? No, I don't think so. No. I'm trying to think what it would taste um, like. I'd, oh, see, uh, no, I'd, 
I didn't I didn't look up the taste. I should have. I should have looked up the taste of a kangaroo. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I don't. I don't even. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen this coming. Right, I'll do. I'll do it then. Now. <laughs> do, do, do. I've got that the, the uh, camel is quite a healthy meat. I know we weren't talking about camels. It's got low cholesterol, omega six, and omega three. Mm, my favorite omegas. Yeah, so that's a lot of omega if you need to. If you, if you need it, eat a camel. Uh, well, it says, all right, to eat kangaroo meat rare is very dangerous. Okay. Um, that's all. Is that more dangerous than eating most meat raw? <laughs> oh, apparently. Okay. What does kangaroo... Oh, you said rare, not raw. There is a difference, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, raw, I don't eat any meat raw. <laughs> Mate of mine used to eat raw mints. Mmm. And he was fine. Uh, well, that's... That's yeah. <laughs> that that sounds. <laughs> it's not just that it sounds dangerous. It sounds so like uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start on it. <laughs> no, yeah. You just I I imagine it like eating like a snack. Like there you are. There I am with a like I don't know a, a can of Pringles, and there he is just sticking his hand in a in a container and just like <laughs> popping it into his mouth. Like meatballs, that'd be the best way to do it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Snack sized bits of meat. Mm. Yes. Yeah. He worked in a kitchen, apparently. She used to do it all the time. Okay. Not in the kitchen. Pres- probably. Well, I wouldn't say his name. Not that it matters, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if it is... I wonder if it is who I think it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, then I'm no longer surprised, but I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask for confirmation after recording. Well, you could just... It's, it was... Beep. Cut this out. <laughs> that's who I thought it was um, or you could beep that out and then everyone would be like oh try and remove the, the, the beep and find out and expose them <laughs> for their mince habits so there you go that was good I enjoyed that I wasn't sure if it was too fact heavy nah yeah so the two things I had uh, was about uh, one of them was about dragons one of the first notes I made was uh, going to be talking about dream interpretation Right, right. Um, because a lot of people get bored hearing about people's dreams, but yes, I quite like it. I think it's quite interesting. So I was going to do like a dream journal thing, and then work out what my dreams meant. And I had some fucked up dreams, but I never remembered any of them, and I never wrote any of them down. Yeah. So an appalling lack of effort on my part. But I do often dream about dragons. <laughs> okay. Dragons appear in my dreams. Okay. Quite regularly. So that's cool. Yeah. So I was reading an article here uh, from regulardream.com. My go-to dream expertise website. Yeah, it is fantastic. I can prove how legit this site is by reading the first line here. There have always there have always been doubts whether dragons really do exist or not. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> I don't know. Is the doubt not the other way round? <laughs> Does that make sense? I know what you mean. If you were to say there's been doubts that dragons actually existed, but surely the doubt would be whether they didn't exist, because the default assumption is that they didn't exist. <laughs> well, you'd hope. You'd... So the doubt would be whether they did exist after all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't say whether or not they do or not, just that there's doubts either way. <laughs> <laughs> which are fair enough I suppose I mean they, they, you know could have been bef- you know we just haven't found the skeleton yet I mean mm-hmm. 
How common were they? We don't know. Yeah, were they knocking about with cavemen or dinosaurs or before or in the middle? Maybe, maybe. Don't know. So he says, there's doubts as to whether or not dragons really do exist or not, but one thing we know for sure is that they symbolise protection. Oh, really? Apparently so. But there's a bunch of... Is that protection of treasure? Well, I think it might be. But um, Maybe. Maybe. So there's also other things that symbolise as well, but I'll just go through it here. It says, In folklore, dragons were often shown as a protector of treasure. I don't know why I looked at the mic there. (laughs) (laughs) Right? The mic will confirm it. (laughs) Told you. Right, so, In your dreams, this treasure could be you, and it might be time for you to safeguard yourself. Okay. They also symbolise the fear that you need to overcome, symbolise the fear that you need to overcome to recognise your true self. Okay. Okay. So dragons are amazing magical creatures. Uh, Undeniable. Yep. Yeah. And some dream dictionaries from the 1920s state that you may possess some powers of imagination and creativity if you see a dragon in your dream. <laughs> I'd say it's more imaginative to come up with an animal that hasn't been done in every single fantasy <laughs> book ever. Dragons, that's old hat, my friend. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So these might. If I came up with a, a flamingo, giant flamingo, that's uh, that's more interesting. If someone was, if you came up to me, and Danny, I dreamed about giant flamingo. I'd say you've got some imagination, Jim. Yeah. Because why are you dreaming up giant flamingos? They've never been giant. They've always been flamingo-sized. <laughs> no, there's been doubts on either side about how giant they've been. I love it. Right. Uh, all right. So. These mighty creatures are associated with fortune, fortune, joy, and great wealth. In a way, if you see them in your vision, it represents good luck coming your way. So, that's not... Okay. Well, that's not... Your brain can't be aware of future luck. That's what I was going to ask you. So, this is like a, a universal interpretation of a dragon dream. Yeah. Do you, like... Do you believe in universal interpretation of dreams? No. Um... Some, although some of them do well. obviously some of them require you to know things about for example dragons or mythical lore for your brain to then oh, okay. you know what I mean I think for some of it but that, so you're talking about since we're all consuming from the same culture there's going to be overlap in our own interpretations of our dreams yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah well I think there's some things like you know the like the biting your teeth out signifies um, yeah. anxiety and the fact that so many people yeah. have had that same specific thing I get that dream a lot and mm. I, it does I feel like it does te- tend to be when I'm anxious about something I'll get that dream but that one's weird that so many people dream like manifest that in the same way with teeth yeah losing your teeth I, why why teeth I mean like the say I would have like it wouldn't be the same anxiety, but it'd be just as anxious to lose like your arms. Yeah, like that. That would be quite <laughs> anxious to me. Yeah. So why, why specifically teeth? Is it because like there's a sense of like, I mean, it would suck to lose all your teeth, but you know, you would go on almost as you were, <laughs> so it'd be basically fine. Is that is it? Is it that the low? What's the word? The low risk element of losing all your teeth? I think it could be that, or it could also be maybe because when you dream, you can, I don't know, maybe your mouth moves, you could, or like you clench your jaw or something, I don't know. Maybe. So I'm looking up why do you dream losing teeth? 
see if I can find something quickly. Except I'm getting sick of cookies. Oh, <laughs> you just meant actual cookies. No, no, no. Which I was like, that's, you know, that that's a shame because I like cookies, but not not online website. I, I do get sick of them telling me all the time. Do um do you consent to our cookies? I'm like, no, but it's too much effort to go into your settings and turn them all off. So yeah, okay, fuck it. <laughs> exactly. I read. I remember reading somewhere that this is this is like this. I feel like this will be the theme of this podcast. I remember vaguely <laughs> this thing from a couple of years ago. But I remember reading somewhere that dragons are like manifest, like a, a combination of all the things that used to be our predators, and that's kind of like obviously this is a bit dubious because it's kind of going into sort of like a what's the word? Like we all have this sort of combined sort of subconscious. Um, which there is obviously an element of truth to it because we're all like ancestors and genetically related um, for like thousands of years ago. But like when we evolved, we obviously are trained to fear like snakes and birds and stuff because they were our predators. Mm. And like something like a snake and a bird combined is a dragon. And so maybe that's why dragons captivate us so much because they're like an amalgamation of what uh, all our predators used to be. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. That's an interesting. I don't know how much truth is to it. Well, that's a much more interesting point than any of the points I was going to make. Um, so, uh, well, it's weird that so many societies have dragons. Hmm. Like so many differently connected societies that ancient societies, especially that um, we get most of that mythology from. Like they all separately talk about dragons, probably without even conferring with each other's notes. Yeah. Yeah, or their cave drawings. <laughs> cave drawing. Hey, uh, Mayans, look at my cave drawings. Oh, good Egyptians, you've got a dragon. Do you know what? I might take that idea and put it over at the Mayan side. Good, you do that. You put that in your caves. <laughs> I don't know anything about ancient civilizations. I don't know if that's coming across. <laughs> that was a very good off-the-cuff discussion between two ancient groups. That was good. That was better than you gave yourself credit for. Thank you very much. No problem. Right, so I can't even find... I've got. I found an interesting article on Healthline.com about why you dream about okay. teeth. Uh, still, the fact remains that this is right at the end of the article. The fact remains that dreams about your teeth falling out are one of the most common types of dreams. Such such visions are also cross cultural. While religion can sometimes oh, wow yeah, while religion can sometimes play a role in your subconscious and subsequent dreams, being non-religious can lead to dreams about your teeth too. There are even historical components to dreaming about tooth loss, with discussion about these dreams going as far back as the ancient Greeks. Uh, so we uh, is there a huge amount of us dreaming about losing teeth because we've heard that that's the thing to do? Maybe. Maybe. So Oof. you're like, everybody else is having a dream about losing teeth, so I'm going to have one as well. Yeah, and he's like, look, it's just my gums, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of you. <laughs> I'm one of you. I don't even know what that meant, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm one of you, the mass majority of people who join about dream about losing teeth. <laughs> right, so if we just go back to the dragons, because there's another there's another interpretation that I think right, go on. fits in better. Uh, they're associated with fortune and drawing great wealth. Good luck. Sometimes dragons can reflect your pent up feelings of anger regarding someone or something. Alternatively, they could indicate that someone is angry with you. That and the they need to overcome fears and anxieties and things. Hmm. Might be more accurate. Well, if I was to have a dream about a dragon, I wouldn't think it was anything to do with treasure because I don't really, 
I don't, I don't, I don't suppose I've ever associated specifically dragons with treasure. I know that the association's there, and like stuff in like Lord of the Rings, he like the big dragon has like treasure and stuff they're defending. Mm. But that's not a strong association for me. So I would imagine there'd be something more because I I imagine ang- uh, dragons to be angry. That's how I would interpret mm. like a dream about a dragon. Is it some sort of manifestation of angry in my mind? Yeah, so I think it is probably something to do with that. Although it also says here that there are different scenarios. So like if you're if it's a dragon spreading its wings, or if you're killing a dragon, they mean different things. So like if you're killing a dragon, obviously that's like you've got something to overcome, some sort of big obstacle. Okay. Uh, and there's two different ones here: riding a dragon in your dreams and flying on the back of a dragon. I don't know what's different about those <laughs> things. Yeah. <laughs> if you see, um, if you see yourself okay. riding a dragon in your dream, it's supposed to mean that you are trying to control or take over your anger. Again, you are ready to face and overcome your demons. A dream in which you fight the dragon and one in which you kill it means the same thing. So, I often dream that I'm riding a dragon, but it's quite a peaceful and enjoyable experience. Do you often dream that? That's fascinating. That's a cool dream. It is good. It is good. I want that dream. It's nice, and sometimes I, I get it in, conte- in a contemporary setting, and sometimes I get it in a like a medieval sort of Lord of the Ringsy type thing. Yeah. But I'm never destroyed anything. That's interesting as well. There's also one where I'm going towards the horizon or, like, or across the ocean on the dragon, like forever and ever. That's a pretty good one. That that sounds so relaxing. It's lovely, you see. So I always thought it was like I always interpret it as maybe it's like a f- sense of freedom, and I just like dragons aesthetically. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I maybe I've not remembered enough of my dreams, but I don't think I've ever like I can't remember a dream I've had lately that's so fantastical. Mm. Usually, it's just me in quite mundane scenarios, and there'll there'll be something weird that happens because you know it's a dream, but. I think most of my dreams is just like something weird's happening and no one else is commenting on how weird it is. Mm. That feels like most of my dreams. <laughs> don't know what that says about me. I don't know. It's interesting, though. See, I like hearing uh, Becky's dreams because they're always so pedestrian and so mundane. It's like, oh, I was in the shop and all my pals were there and we bought stuff, but we couldn't get the right stuff, so we bought something else. <laughs> is that it? Yeah. Yeah, but that, that's more that that's closer to my dream, except like the the shop will be like or except there'll be like a, a famous actor there among the friends and nobody comments on how weird it is that like like we're walking around with Tom Cruise and it's like, Hi, hey, remember I'm Tom Cruise. Uh, hi Tom Cruise. Uh welcome to the, the pub we've all just gone to and like no, it'll be it'll be like no we won't even comment on it. It'll be something like that. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I had a dream once I was in the cast of Friends. Like, well, not not even in the cast. I was in the show Friends. I was friends with the friends from Friends. <laughs> That's ace. What did you just get up to? I can't remember. I had that one like in high school, but I, re- I remember it. I remember it being weird because I was expressing it the next day, and the, my friend in high school also expressed the fact that he had had a dream very similar to that once. I think it's just because at that point Friends was playing every fucking minute of every fucking day <laughs> on uh, E4 so that's why we're all thinking about Friends all the time. Yeah, that's cool. I had a dream the other day that I was that I, I had to write an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> and then I was like sort of in it. I have dreams where I have to write shows quite a lot, obviously because well for anyone listening who doesn't know we're both aspiring writers so we write a lot all the time because <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> um 
and obviously watch a lot makes of TV, sense. so that makes sense. But uh, sometimes it's actually pretty good, or sometimes you think it's really good in the dream, and then you wake up and you're like, should I write that down? Is that good? And you go, no, actually, no, it didn't make any sense. Sorry, the one I had with the Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it was Jake had stolen someone's, like, you know, the pole, if <laughs> the pole, I can never quite describe it. You know if someone's, like, hooked up to machines in a hospital? And they're like, say they're going to the toilet and they walk, yes, walk up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got the big pole thing with the drip or whatever. I had a dream that he'd yeah. stolen, or he was pretending he needed one, and then he actually really enjoyed having it and being hooked up to it. And it's like he'd been using the bag to pee and everything. And, and someone was like, "Why'd you use the bag to pee?" And it's like, "Well, I'm getting in character." What the? F- I don't know what the fuck was going on. Like, that is that's very specific. Yeah. So just to round this off with dragons. Uh, flying on the back of the dragon in your dream, which is apparently different. Uh, so it says, did you find yourself lying on the back of a dragon and couldn't understand what the dream wants to convey? Do not worry, we are here to help. <laughs> I'm excited. It basically means that you have high ambitions and goals in your life, and obviously you're trying to reach them. It also symbolises that you're going to reach great heights in your life. Oh, So there you go. Well, there you go, Jim Rennie. You'll, you'll, you'll reach there on your dragon. The the high um, high heights of your potential and ambition will be there on the back of a dragon. Thank you, my friend. And you can hitch a wagon to that dragon. And Ah, yes. Hitch a wagon to the dragon. There you go. Episode title. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But there you go. That was good. I'm glad. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Well, my next thing... I don't know if I've actually spoken to you about this, Jim. I might have, because last year I had a, a fascination with being face blind. <laughs> I vaguely right. vague remember us talking about this whilst drunk. It's right. I'm going to try and pronounce it again. I'm not very good at pronunciation of words. Prosapagnosia. Yep. Prosapagnosia. Yep. Right. I think that's it. <laughs> uh, and that is the technical term for being face um, face blind. It's a neurological disorder, so it's nothing to do with your, your vision. Even though I do wear glasses, that's not the reason I struggle to recognize faces. It's entirely within my brain, the part of the, my brain that I think like is supposed to identify um, faces doesn't work properly. And uh, I think it's something I've had on my own whole life, but weirdly I've only just like realized it. Mm. Like I, I was like reading about it and then suddenly it became like it kind of went the idea of it clicked and I was like, that would explain so much of my life. The biggest one I always have is that I don't recognize people on the street. Like if somebody comes up to me, I don't just mean everyone on the street. I'm like, I don't recognize you. You've lived in, I've lived in this town for years and you're, you're not one of them. But I mean, that if, I mean, that if somebody came up to me on the street um, and said, hey, Danny, how's it going? I, I tend to struggle to recognize them or know where they are ah. uh, and where they're from. Sorry. Um, it gives Bernadette anxiety because at one point I was walking across the street and this, um, going across the road and the person who was like walking the opposite way, like, hey, how's it going? Oh, I've not seen you in ages. Oh, fine, thank you. Oh, that's great. I'll have to catch up sometime. Oh, awesome, bye. It was a really quick encounter and Bernadette was like, who is that? And I was like, I have no fucking idea. I literally don't have the slightest clue who that person is. And it's obviously a bit anxious because you're like, what if you run into someone and they ask a specific question? Mm. Um, I also have a problem. I work behind a bar and sometimes I re-ID people, mm. which is uh, not ideal because they've come up and they're like, they're wanting another drink. And I'm like, oh, I need some ID. I'm like, you ID'd me 20 minutes ago. I'm like, 
they tend to get a little bit offended by that. Mm. And uh, I, I have that problem with actors as well in films. Um, I've got like, I do like a, I, w- I watch films for a film podcast from a friend, Scott Morrison, shout out. Mm-hmm. And there has been times where I've uh, asked who an actor was and he's gone, that, what, why are you asking? That's, I mean, one of them was Oscar Isaac. I didn't recognize Oscar Isaac in a film. Wow. And he's like a big actor. He's famous. And I actually really love Oscar Isaac. He's a, a extraordinarily good actor. Um, but I think he was in Annihilation. And when he came up, I was like, I don't know who that is. Uh, but the the weirdest one is I was watching... Have you ever heard of Cell Block in... Um, Brawl in Cell Block 99? Yes. Yes. I went through that whole film, got to the closing credits without realizing it starred Vincent Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Vince. Not not a clue. <laughs> Vincent Vaughn. Not a clue. Really? Wow, yeah. that's fascinating. I, I mean he he does he does look different in it. He's like bulked out and he shaved all his hair. Mm. Um but I you know, you, you see him for the whole film and like it, it, even if you didn't recognise him at first, it should become apparent at least halfway through <laughs> that it's this the famous actor Vince Vaughn. Good, did it um, is it sorry, just is it any good that film? Because it looked horrendous. Yeah. Is it good? It's a uh, oh oh my god! It was actually a couple of years ago. So you you should listen to the episode. Um, <laughs> just a wee plug. I remember it being I remember it being good. It's very cartoony at the end, if I remember right. It starts off feel like it's going to go one direction, and then it goes in a completely other, and it just gets so over the top and violent and needlessly. There's some ridiculous stuff in it. I don't want to say it because some of it is genuinely like borderline offensive of how <laughs> some of the, I think one of the frets um, is like disgusting and so extraordinarily specific. Um, <laughs> but I won't go into it because it's a little too grim. But it, it's over the top and it's almost Looney Tune violence by the end. I mean, it was good and Vince Vaughn's really good in it, um, even if I didn't recognize him. <laughs> so it, overall, it's good. So I I did think that. So I, I tried a, an online checklist to, to sell some of the like symptoms and stuff, uh-huh. and I went through it. And I actually got an email back from a uh, I've got it noted down here, Doctor Maria. Oh, it's it's one of those weird names. It starts with a T, but I'm not sure if the T is silent. Uh, Santini, Tansani. I'm so sorry. I've definitely butchered that name mm. with that pronunciation. Of the University of London, who um, said that my checklist would in- indicate I might have um, a form of prosopagnosia and she sent me the Cambridge face memory test so what this is is it uh, it's a couple of tests uh, and it t- gives you a face to remember and then it gives you three faces and you have to try and um, click on which one you think it is mm-hmm. so that that's the Cambridge face test and memory test and it's used to, to sort of root this out which I fucking was terrible at it I genuinely was basically guessing towards the end <laughs> and was extremely bored by it because I just could not. I just could not tell which face it was, and it's weird because it's just it's just the face. They have to cut away the, the the shape of the head, the hair, anything else. It's um, just the face of this person. Wow. And so it, oh, the results came back, and she said it would appear that I do have a moderate to severe variation. Uh, oh, hang on, sorry, fuck that up. Do do do. Suggest that you have experienced difficulties. Faces characteristic of a moderate to severe prosopagnosia. There is no diagnosis, formal diagnosis because there's no official criteria of how to diagnose it. Wow. So apparently there is no way you can actually get diagnosed with it because it's too understudied. Um, which apparently it estimates to affect 2% of the population. Wow. That's fascinating. So there you go. Um, 
it was really interesting. It makes a lot more sense. Uh, it, it, there's no real serious downside except anxiety for social situations. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you might not recognize them and people could obviously take offense to it, which I'm not too fussed about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't worry too much about that. But it was interesting. I was in- also interested because... Um, in that sort of in all of that sort of the the brain failing senses because i was because you are uh you suffer with or suffer is perhaps the wrong word you have like amnosia is it how do you pronounce anosmia. it anosmia anosmia you can't smell but i always wondered if you i guess i don't know how much research have you done on it do you know if that's neurological i believe it's uh whatever nervical <laughs> nervical um uh, it is I, I used to know. Like people are so surprised that I don't know. About this. <laughs> it's because I don't really think about it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It can be caused by a head injury, infection, or blockage of the nose, but it's none of those ones. I, I was trying to look it up today, but it kept coming up with get tested for COVID because apparently a lack of smell can be one of the symptoms. Yeah. So that's, I've got to be extra careful. I wondered if it was neurological because um, you're. Your taste isn't affected by it. No, but maybe there's another reason for that. No, so it's brain or nerve damage. It, these, there are receptors inside the nose that send information through the nerves to the brain. Anosmia can occur if any part of the pathway is damaged. There are many conditions that can cause this damage, including old age, Alzheimer's, brain tumors, Huntington's, like a bunch of things. Long-term alcoholism. Mm. Um, <laughs> in rare cases, people are born without a sense of smell due to a genetic condition. This is called congenital anosmia, so that must be what it is. It's so, do you know? Do you, I, I? I guess you'd have said by now if it was. Does anybody else in your family suffer with it? No, suffers the wrong word. It's not really a suffering thing. No, it's alright. Uh, you don't know what you've, you've you've missed, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. But I did meet uh, a couple of people in college or after college, and uh, they were a couple, and they both couldn't smell. And there's a couple other people I've met. Oh, really? Yeah. Which annoyed me a little bit because I, like, I thought I was more special than that. But yeah. apparently not. You are special, Jim. In, in all the right, all yeah. the right ways. Have they ever been not able to smell on the back of a dragon? I don't think so. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I mean, being special for not being able to do things <laughs> is that's um, quite narcissistic, isn't it? A weird tangent. Have you ever smelled in your dreams? No. No, I suppose you wouldn't. Is that the, the, the thing of like, do blind people dream in vision? But if they were blind from birth, I guess they just wouldn't, because they wouldn't. They wouldn't have any reference anyway. Yeah, that's one of those sort of panic attack thoughts because you just sort of get. I, I get sucked into it, and I'm like, well, I can't imagine it. There's no <laughs> solution to it, so I just get. I think harder about it, but there's nothing to think about, and then it gets. Oh, you know, you know that feeling. Aye, dear. <laughs> Don't think about it. Don't think about okay, it. It's fine. It's gone. Aye, there's a there's a famous neurologist, Oliver Sacks. Have you heard of him? I've read a couple of his books. Oh, have you? Have you read the the man who mistook his wife for a hat? Yeah. So that's uh, the first case study, which is uh, kind of vaguely what got me onto it, where the 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 guy, the titular character. A character is the wrong word for a case study book. Mm. Uh, Doctor P uh, has a sort of broader version of pro um, pagnosia, agnosia, where he struggles to identify just objects in general. Uh, he struggles to be able to visually recognise them. 
That's not to say his vision's impaired. In fact, in the book, it says he specifically um, had his vision checked and there was nothing wrong with his vision. He just couldn't recognize things by sight alone. Mm. And that accumulated in an instant where his wife was sat down on a sofa and he, as he was trying to leave the room, grabbed her head thinking it was his hat. (laughs) (laughs) Which is... uh, <laughs> which must have been a, a a slightly confusing experience for his wife. But they, he's that he was an older gentleman who'd um, been suffering it with his whole life. But everybody just thought he was eccentric, and uh, I thought that was interesting in my case because I, I guess I've always tried to make, like in my head I've been making justifications of like oh, I'm just forgetful and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now to like to look back and there's so many things that like in hindsight I'm like. Right, so that's why that, and that's why that, and that's why that, because I wasn't, I couldn't fucking recognize faces. Uh, and there's people that suffer with it, because I'm, I'm on a moderate side. I, I can, I can recognize people, especially in context. If I go to work, I can recognize my work colleagues because I'm expecting them to be there. Mm. It'd be if I saw my work colleagues on the street randomly, that would be when I would, like, might not be able to recognize them. But there's some people that suffer with this on the severe end who don't recognize their own face. Mm. Like they look in the mirror and they don't know who's looking back, which is quite a a strange way to live. Yeah, I mean, again, these are if, if it's from the start, you know, from birth. I don't know if that's better or worse, but ah, that's a tricky one. Aye, well, it was on a BBC. There was a BBC article about it about this Dutch woman who they're making a documentary about soon, um, who suffered with it her whole life, but because. She was elder and it, it wasn't recognized as much. Um, she didn't know what it was. And her class, her teachers, when she was at school, just thought she was dim, um, which is a shame because it means this whole life she's been labeled with this, uh, that she's um, dim. Like, for example, when after playtime, when the classes were all lined up, she would accidentally join the wrong class mm. and then get just go into this, to the completely wrong class. And the teachers would, uh, not, not even un- understandably, if that was a word, um, would just think the person, uh, the kid, was dim. He's like, "What are you doing in this class? Go to your own class." Um, so it's not it's not ridiculous to assume that, but it's a shame that she, like, her whole life it's bit, it's impaired her by like because she's been mislabeled, if that makes sense. Yeah. God. Well, makes you makes you makes you lucky. Makes you feel lucky. For for not having to go through those things but it's fascinating though isn't it it really is um, yeah just not recognising people and your and yourself I think that's what gets it not recognising other people I, I, I feel well maybe I vaguely understand because I, I may suffer from it mm-hmm. um, again suffer's the wrong word I don't know why I keep using that word <laughs> but it's like looking at look, looking in the mirror and thinking I don't know who that person is that's such a strange um, presumably isolating thought yeah Oh, you'd think so. Yeah, and it's another. It's a it's a difficult one to relate to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it just sounds like it sounds like a visual problem, but it's not. Mm. Ah. So that was my obsession this year. In in the meantime, I've been given a bunch of studies. One which was fun, which was uh, recognizing celebrities' voices. Uh, they wanted to keep people who they presumed have prosopagnosia and see if they identified celebrity voices. Um, so it was weird. I was set up with like a my laptop, and I, I would hear Barack Obama talking, and you're like, "Who is this person?" <laughs> <laughs> Barack Obama, <laughs> um, which I I did a lot better at that one, um, mm. and I got an Amazon voucher out of it, which was nice. Well, that's cool. 
Well, maybe I should see if there's mm. any smelling anosmia tests to do. Yeah. Smell this. <laughs> How does it smell like? Can't smell it. Does this smell of Barack Obama? <laughs> no, but it smells like it sounds like him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's funny. It's funny. The difficult one with that as well is, um, well, with, with your with uh, the one that you've got and the one that I have. Again, we're not suffering from it, but it's one of those things that's so difficult. It's such a pain in the arse to explain. You know, like people say, like, oh, when I was working at a cleaning job recently, people would say, oh, that smells good, didn't it? Or, do you like the smell of that? Is that too strong? And I'm like, yeah, no. Because <laughs> when you say, I can't smell, you go, well, you got cold? No, I just, I can't smell. can't smell. What do you mean? I can't, from birth, I can't smell. What, you've never been able to smell? No. <laughs> wow, because it's so, it's so weird to people. And you understand why they have it's... questions, but it's like, I've answered this question yeah. so many times. You just go along with it. It's boring to you, but interesting to them because it is interesting. It's very interesting. It is interesting. Someone who can't smell because it's such a, it's such a, low down their sense. Yeah. Um, because like every other sense is extraordinarily ha- helpful. Like there was someone I went to uni with who um, couldn't feel temperature, mm. and like that just meant that they they needed to be careful when they walked out into the weather because they didn't know how hot or cold it would be. And you're like, oh, that's such a that would be such an annoying one to not know, but. Smell is in comparison so. Mm. I guess we underuse smell. I don't even know why we have the ability to smell. We really don't. <laughs> we don't use it. No. You you can walk into a place and know if it smells of something nicely cooked. Mm, that smells nice. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's it was to identify probably things that are poisonous or whatever. We probably have a keener sense of smell in past times. <laughs> you know, when we, Fast times. when we couldn't, you know, when we didn't have any other sources of information to tell us if things were dangerous or not, I suppose we relied on it more. Mm. I can't smell poisons now. No, if you put if you put poison in the room, I wouldn't be able to smell it. Well, well, you have you haven't smelled you haven't smelled any of the ones I've left so far. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm terrible at it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, that's a few that's issues good. put to bed there, Danny. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I feel like we've learned, we've laughed, and we've loved on the way. Yes, indeed. Right, should we should we outro this? Yeah. Then? Okay. Well, so that was the, either the trailer or the first episode of Quixotic Mavens, and I think we Quixotic Mavens. Quixotic Mavens. I really enjoyed that. I, as you say, I learned something. We laughed. We shared. We talked. It was good. It was good. We learned some stuff. It was a podcast. I learned about dragons. Yes. I learned about the, but well, I still don't know what it's called, but that neurological disease, or sim- I thing. And we we sound a lot. Sp- Prosopagnosia. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we sounded super smart throughout, very eloquent. Uh, I hope so. I definitely hope yeah, so. Yeah, one hundred percent. We did it. We did it. Fantastic. Well, you you should. You, you plug Second Opinion, but you should definitely... I mean, no one's going to be listening to this who isn't already listening to Tuna Boot. But if you're not, you should listen to Tuna Boot. Yeah. Great podcast. Yeah. Second Opinion and Tuna Boot, two fantastic podcasts. And uh, you never know, we might have a podcast network one of these days. That would be fun. Yeah. But anyway, this has been fun. That'll thank be you fun. for listening. We'll see, see yes. you next time. And thank you for being here, Jim. Yeah, thank you. So if we just stop recording now... Boom. Exotic mavens. <laughs>